Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Someone wants to send me a private jet. I will get on it. I just have not <laughs> figured out how to turn this into anything uh, reasonable other than getting bagged on by all my friends. <laughs> Pete Thamel. If like a major corporation, a Fortune 500 company, operated the way they did, they would have been passed over 10 times. And SI's Pat Forty. If there's something trendy, I'm going the other way. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the first off-season pod. It is January. We're a long way from college football starting again, but we got college basketball rolling, although that is a uh, unpredictable train wreck. Crawling a little more than rolling. Yeah. I got to congratulate Rutgers, Rutgers basketball. (laughs) We bag on Rutgers football. Rutgers basketball got ranked this week. Uh, I think they're like in the 20s, but still. First time in 41 years. Yeah. They got ranked. That is impossible. <laughs> all right, all right. Before we turn this into a Rutgers basketball podcast, we need to we need to call timeout. We need to celebrate our friend Dan's little Hollywood moment he's having here. Dan is all a right. Netflix star, prominently featured in the buzzy new documentary, three parts on Netflix. Now, I am the proud member of the podcast who has watched and consumed all three of these episodes. Pat has not because Pat does not have a smart TV, which enables him to get Netflix. And even if he did, he wouldn't know how to do it. So I, I want to... I want to start off here first and turn wait, this wait, into wait, 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 I want to hear defense. Pat's explanation for <laughs> yeah, this. Well, let's, let's fact check this on a couple <laughs> levels here, okay? Nat, Netflix is too this. much for you to get to watch an Aaron <laughs> no. Hernandez documentary. First of all, <laughs> let's say what the documentary is about. Aaron Hernandez. Pete did not. Pete left oh. that out. Aaron Hernandez. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> secondly, I do have a smart TV. Third, my wife has a Netflix account. That's close enough. I will get there to seeing the documentaries when I get there, which is generally if there's something trendy, I'm going the other way. So I'm sorry, Dan, (laughs) while you have become a multimedia mogul and are raking in cash and, you know, probably setting up bogus bank accounts in the Caribbean to handle all of this influx, uh, I will get to your your excellent, well, I'm sure it is excellent work. I will get to it when I get to it. So if now that's that is the basis of a friendship (laughs) that Pat and I have had for decades. And I actually not only 
expect nothing less, <laughs> nothing else. But I appreciate that. I don't there want Pat to be like, I'll drop everything to watch your uh, love. <laughs> Screw you. I'll get around to it. Maybe or maybe not. I don't want to spoil the end, Pat, but he's dead. He died. <laughs> whoa, whoa. OK. Breaking yeah. news here. So uh, I, I thought we could uh, we could maybe turn the beginning of the pod since Dan is now a multimedia superstar to a little bit of an inside the actor studio. I don't want to speak for Pat and all his technological capabilities, but I have never taken part in the making of a documentary before. And I find it all very interesting seeing your uh, beautiful mug on my television screen uh, over the weekend, Dan. And uh, I even combed my hair. Yeah, the, no, uh, yeah, it was expertly yeah. coiffed. I'm not going to lie. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> I was like, that's the most polished I've ever seen Dan Wetzel look. That is like, the old, that's it, yeah. When we were taping the podcast at like 2.48 a.m. in New Orleans the other mm. night, your hair did not look that uh, no, that well no. sculpted. So, yeah, whatever product they used, uh, yeah. You're going to start getting hair endorsements, Dan. That's how, that's how famous you are. I now. got good hair. That's I don't need it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, Dan, we obviously readers of Yahoo would know you covered that trial extensively and, uh, you know, really dug in on the entire Hernandez story. Can you tell us a little bit about how you, the documentary came about? I'm sure it was long and complicated, but probably pretty interesting. It was a long process. Uh, well, during the first trial, so like, you know, I, I covered a little of those Gators teams that Aaron is on. And I do remember talking to Aaron at uh, the the national championship when he was a I don't know which one when he was a, a factor and then when he was at the Patriots I talked to him a few times in the locker room but that was just you know scrums and talking football but then once the story broke which Pete Thamel by the way was part of the original breaking news Greg Bedard it's true and Pete Thamel true at Sports Illustrated then reported first to say police were we're looking for Aaron Hernandez was a suspect or a person of interest. What was that? What was that whole bit? What were what was he at the time? We were very careful about it because yeah, you know, that's a big bite of the <laughs> apple to report yeah, that yeah. one, man. <laughs> um, we said police spoke to him in connection with the murder case, and we made it very clear that like there was no like he was not an immediate suspect, which he wasn't in the first couple days as uh, as everything unfolded. That obviously quickly changed as that, more uh, as more information uh, good as more right information there. came but yes that was a uh, that was an interesting day uh he wasn't originally and, and same with the double homicide if you haven't seen this or don't know the story i don't know what to tell you but uh, we're gonna spoil <laughs> it i guess the spoiler it's because nobody everyone was like there's no way aaron hernandez would be like execution style murdering people yeah. like it just i mean it was so we have a prosecutor from boston in there who worked the case and he's just like Every time evidence would point to Aaron Hernandez originally in the double homicide in Boston, just be like, I can't be. I mean, whatever. Can't possibly like they they're watching footage of of the the victims that are in this club and they're like, Yeah, Aaron Hernandez is there. That's kind of interesting. And then he leaves. And again, I just I mean, why would why would an NFL player in the middle of a forty million dollar contract who just, you know, like uh months before caught a Super Bowl touchdown be involved in this? So uh, anyway, during the first trial, Kevin Armstrong was covering all of it from the Daily News. And I talked about, like, no matter how hard we try or how much we put out on a daily basis, it's just so much material here. This story is so crazy and all the angles and uh, tangents. I don't even know what the threads to go down and the characters and all that that we would a, a book and a document. I don't know. Just we're like, let's try to get a project going. And uh, we never did get the book going, which is crazy, right? Like who wouldn't want to read a book about this? Like it's 
it's like the biggest yeah. story in like you know American television right now. Like America's captivated again by Aaron Hernandez, and nobody reads. It would book. be nice to have our book. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the book book industry is uh, <laughs> it's quite an industry. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All they want is a celebrity to write a book. So it's like all <laughs> right. Right. Well, now you're instead of a Dan, so it's perfect. They did, yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, they they don't want the true story. They want like, like Shayana Jenkins to write. I don't know, because then I I have no idea. Anyway, we didn't get a book done, which is fine, but we did get this eventually. But it took a lot of work with uh, Gino McDermott, the uh, director and owner of Blackfin Production Company. We work with uh, out of New York City, and I mean, we had a film. You went to the, we had a film festival. We went to, we got a film into the New York. Doc Film Festival. We had a premiere. Uh, I didn't go, but Pete did. That was I pretty went. nice of him. I was <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I was, didn't even go to the went. own my own premiere, I guess. But I went in support uh, of my friend Kevin. Yeah, you're too big yes. time for your own premiere, Dan. We're learning. <laughs> too lazy. Yeah. Literally too late. People think I'm like, if you want to know how lazy I didn't go to my own movie premiere. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Brad, Brad Pitt I didn't go to his either. A lot in yeah. common there. <laughs> like, I'm not flying to New York for that. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, then Netflix came in. Then it got really good. And then, really, the breakthroughs for the for the, I think if you watch the the docu series, it's like, uh, and Netflix told me to use the term docu series. That's the oh. proper. Term. <laughs> I learned some things in this. There you go. Uh, I got to <laughs> use the the parlance. Was the jailhouse uh, tapes? We have the phone calls of Aaron talking to his mom and his fiance and his uh, friends. Um, I think what's fascinating is in each conversation he has, he has like a different voice. Really? This guy is truly the community, right, Pete? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, totally. He is different totally. with each guy, each person. There's, I mean, there's vicious fights they're yelling at each other. There's yeah. unbelievably, I, I always find the part where Shayana Jenkins, his fiance, he calls is like, Hey, what's up? How you doing today? And she's like, I just had to had the house torn up dealing with another search warrant from you. And, you know, they come in, they just rip everything out looking for, right. you know, they're looking for a gun, you know, they're looking for a murder. Mm-hmm. We- looking for- and uh, he's like, yeah, I heard about that. But why are you copping me attitude? Like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, right. I mean, that's like- well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, Aaron. Why? Why? Why would she be a little upset with you at this moment? Um, I thought the phone call, Dan, uh, not to cut you off, that was most interesting yeah. was the one with his agent uh, It when when they, you know, they were joking, I think. But w- walk me through that, because that was new to me. Like, I fo- I live in Boston, so I've obviously followed this case very closely, read all the stuff that the, the Boston Globe has done on it, tracking it. To me, that was like, I almost fell off my couch last night. Yeah, I mean, they, they're talking. I mean, they were joking, clearly, but like. Yeah. You know, he's asking his agent, can you get me a, you know, the, the agent's like, I can't get you a Nike deal. They won't put the swoosh on the prison jumpsuit. And he goes, can you get me a Smith and Wesson deal? And oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, it's Holy pretty. Uh, it, it's it's amazing stuff. I, you know, I yeah. think if you totally followed this case, there's, a, you know, it's it's a little bit, you know, uh, th- there's not a there's not a million new things. It's really the way it's presented. Um, but at the same time, we also didn't. We tried to be very journalistically sound. That was my biggest thing was like, because you, 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 you should hear the rumors and the stories like these prisoners will just tell you anything. Sure. And, you know, this is why I did it or, you know, and you have no idea. You can run with any bit of gossip you want. We really didn't want to do that. This is this is what happened. It's best that we can tell. 
And from that standpoint, the story's already riveting enough. You don't have yeah. to tread into gray area of like, eh, he might have done this or whatever, you know? So we had all these people watching didn't, didn't not only mm. didn't know the story, because this is like cool. I, I did not know how big Netflix was. I knew it was big, but I did not think it was as big as it, it got. Um, but it's like 150 million subscribers around the world. And so you have people all over the world watching, all over the country. You have people who didn't know anything about football, never heard no. of Aaron Hernandez, don't even know what the New England Patriots are. You know, so some of the stuff you have to explain in there is like, what's the Super Bowl? You know, like, okay. Um, But that's uh, so then you have all that and the different calls. I don't know. I I guess I'm more interested in what Pete thinks than. Well, I saw the the document, you know, the the original uh, at the debut. And to me, the transformative part of how it evolved into a docuseries is. Thank you is Aaron's voice from those prison tapes. And I'd yeah. be curious as a reporter who, you know, getting things on freedom of information requests, people are like, oh, you can just get it on freedom. It's like, like it's some simple process. Like it's like pushing a button and they appear. What was that like, Dan, getting those? And, and how do you feel like his voice? Because all of a sudden now his own voice is narrating his story, which is haunting. How did you feel like that changed the tenor of the project? Yeah, long process, and, and and there's still other calls that I don't that are out there that I, that haven't been granted because he was in a number of uh, jails. But getting getting his voice in there was, I think, very important for two reasons. One, you just you're gonna have a three hours about a guy, and you basically have nothing. He's we have barely have him saying anything. You, obviously, there's a reason for that. He's passed away, but you want to hear from him. And then the idea that you get these jailhouse calls where he's it's not just an interview. It's raw. It is yeah. unfiltered. You know, you're not going to be able to call him. You're not gonna, even if he sat down and did an interview, you're not going to be like, so describe the fighting with your mother about this. Yeah, he's going to be he's not going to talk about that. Right. So you're not going to get all the different, you know, the real the, the raw stuff. So I thought that was that was that was pretty good. And uh, I don't know. It's a it's a wild story. It's it's a little overwhelming. You just hope people like it. It's like putting out the biggest story you've ever put out and just you guys know what it's like you push you know some story you worked on for a long time you hit send and it's or it's up and you're just like uh you know <laughs> yeah hope people like it <laughs> or you know i know it's like like it but you know we we tried we tried really hard and you know it wasn't there's a lot of docs out there and you know we, kevin and i covered it from the as much as you could cover it um it's not just like we just came in on a story we didn't know and right. kind of jump in late, you know, so I think there's some great insight that uh, Kevin particularly had and different things. So, um, you know, we have the Florida stuff, the Urban Meyer. I've always thought that that team was just that deserves its own documentary. The the Gators yeah. of <clears throat> no kidding. There's some amazing stuff. There's part, you know, you know, what went down there and the idea, you know, in hindsight, he never should have gone to Florida. I don't think I don't know that it would change much, but it's a possibility. Like I thought. There's different things that people go, why, why did Aaron Hernandez turn out? And I just think it's like a perfect cocktail of just could have been anything. Like it could be everything, could be anything, could be, you know, abusive childhood and struggling with who he was and the death of his father and uh, going so far away to school and CTE and just, uh, you know, being near New, New England, being near Bristol, meeting Alexander Bradley, all the different things. Drug use. Drug use. But. I do. I there. And so you can't you can be like, hey, I wish if he didn't have an abusive childhood, maybe that would be. Well, of course, that would have been better. But that's not like a singular decision. Right. And I just feel like if he had gone to University of Connecticut and played with his brother and his father really believed like that, 
this kid's so good. That's a good enough platform. You're going to make the NFL. And if anything, he probably would have drafted higher because he wouldn't have gotten in so much trouble. Yeah. That he might might not have gotten in so much trouble at Florida that he goes the fourth round. But instead, it, he goes to Florida, and it's just like we're going to win. And he's so far from home. He's got to prove himself. It's just a different different ball game. And you know, Urban Urban Meyer. You know that program. No matter what Urban says, was was operating uh, at full speed. Let's just say having having extensive knowledge of the documentary, I did not see. Uh, <laughs> my question is: so, I mean, you laid out a panoply of of factors, but did you basically kind of leave it open to interpretation? Yeah. What the what overriding factor would be? Because a we because people don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it would yeah. be I think it would be irresponsible to say it's one thing. I don't know, right? Yeah. You'll never, yeah. we'll never know. It's, it's just, right. why did he kill Odin Lloyd? Why did he do this? Why would, mm-hmm. why would someone with so much do all this? Right. Uh, it just, it doesn't, the whole thing, none of it makes sense. And, and like I mentioned in there, you know, a couple of things, but like, you know, you think of major football crimes, you know, OJ Simpson. Okay. Well, OJ was repeated domestic violence. He's right. a retired guy. He's got issues with anger. He's got, you know, unfortunately that is extremely common and it's not like yeah it's the crime was unbelievable all that but it's like i you understand the motive he he went if he did it he you know technically didn't he flipped out because he's jealous and and is into you know there's domestic violence ray lewis right ray lewis is like a street fight you know mm-hmm. like it, and that was a bad scene and what what was his role in and all that but you know, a, a, a brawl involving guys that size on the side of a street in Atlanta. Some people can die, you know, and, yep. and it, uh, you, you, you get it. it. This is like, you know, execution style murders and drive by shootings and repeated stuff. And then is he covering everything up to try to just the, the role of it is so crazy that it doesn't just seem like this isn't just I ah, snapped or something bad happened while there's a fist fight or and again, I'm not justifying any of those others. It's just this is just different. So right. I think that's I don't know why. And I, I don't think anybody ever would. No one. He, the people who knew him best were stunned when he committed suicide. It's just so much stuff that's just out there. So right. I don't think we leave it with anything. My one other question here. Assume, you know, your general work ethic with Yahoo, you're probably about two hours a day, four days a week, <laughs> most of the time at, at the golf course, you know, otherwise avoiding your family on the lamb. Yeah, no, I mean, you, there's no golf. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you, you have a ridiculous motor just producing the daily stuff. How did you work this in and get this done at the same time? Well, most of it was done for Yahoo. So like it's most yeah. of it was just my right. understanding of the story. I don't have editing equipment. I don't. Uh, someone called me a filmmaker in one interview. I'm like, I top <laughs> on my own. You can barely work the podcast equipment, Dan. <laughs> I can videotape on my iPhone. That's all. Yeah, I barely can get this going. I'm like, I'm not a filmmaker. No, I just I knew the story well, and then you know you sit for an interview. So I it really wasn't most of the work I did was just extra extra work or it was work built off the the first work. So and the trials were you know, hugely, uh, yeah. very well read in their wild. Yeah. So okay. uh, what, like, 
what is an executive producer? Like, what does that involve? Like, how much say do you have? How much, like, there's obviously a lot of hands in this. It's a, it's obviously an, an editing process that you don't have control over, but it's kind of your story. I'm just curious, sort of give us a window. None of us have made a, made a movie before you filmmaker. Uh, give us a window into that process. Yeah. And it's like, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 mine was just like, uh, helping set up some stuff, guide the story and then sit for interviews and, you don't have final say on anything on the cuts or anything. Um, you you didn't write the script at all. There's no script. It's okay. just, we don't have a narrator. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't write a script. Just you try to guide it. Like they would come up with additions of it and be like, here's what we got. And then you say, you know, actually that's misleading or, you know, there's a better quote about this. I think this witness said, or things like that. Not as, um, I, I could, I should probably be lying about all this. <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> me and scorsese yeah right, yeah you got marty uh, on the phone said look we're working on this jump cut here how yeah do we, how do we pull is, this yeah, up? yeah exactly fade, fade have your here. people call my people we'll have lunch we'll talk about it no nah, <laughs> no nah. i shoveled snow this morning man uh, yeah i didn't uh, i don't know so i'm I not doing to- this right i'm not doing this right i know you're that. not yeah. you're no. not I, I talked to uh, Kevin Armstrong this morning, who is your fellow executive producer and uh, just becoming accustomed to his newfound Netflix fame. Say that five times fast. And he said, like, you know, some kid he played Little League with 20 years ago reached out to him. Like he said, he's just heard from all corners of uh, of his life just for people. Uh, can you give us maybe the most random person who's reached out to you or the funniest, uh, the funniest like person who's who's seen your uh your beautifully coiffed hair on netflix and uh checked in a lot of texts which was which was great yeah i like old golfing buddies and stuff like you hadn't talked to in 10 years just all of a sudden you know uh yeah got high school uh i don't know yeah it's it's people just watching it's great kind of cool that part was probably the best part Danny Wetzel, so, that was Wicked Pissa. You were on the Netflix. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. A lot of that. <laughs> I remember What's up, him kid? From I'm High. watching Netflix. What's up, kid? <laughs> <laughs> no longer just Paul Wetzel's son. Or, Starting or to make a like, name for himself out What's there. up, kid? You know you're in this Netflix thing? Like, yeah, I think I know. <laughs> Jesus, come on, man. Some of my some That's of my good. old friends are not the most intelligent, or my new ones maybe. With yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I aware. So. I, I have heard that uh, it's it's yeah. But, I would yeah. imagine a lot of coaches, a lot of like just you know, yeah, the NBA guys, kind of, NFL yeah. guys. Yeah, it's it's a lot of people. So it, it's amazing. It's pretty amazing. That thing's very popular. So I'm sure everyone listening to the pod, <laughs> and then you know all of my Netflix followers you should be now if you there found you this see subscribe the, the yes, cross promotion the is endless here would you like inane college football talk yes <laughs> <laughs> missing uh, kangaroos chicken wars we got it yeah yeah all right so let's get to that are we done pete have yeah. you done done okay, i don't know just, all... just conclude our episode of inside the actor studio <laughs> yeah, like... i hope so because i don't have any answers <laughs> All right, we'll have to check back in with Pat sometime. Uh, also sometime talk maybe to like agent. mid-October when uh, he he understands how to work Netflix yeah. and gets Trisha to put it on for him. So yeah, give me a little question. Give me a little while. Have your people call my people, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll meet it. As soon we'll as the, as soon as the story goes stone cold, I'll pick it up. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it, Pat. Yep. Well, I love you. <laughs> All right. So uh, after the uh, national title game. We taped our podcast at the Sheridan, yep. the third floor in the hallway of the Sheridan. Very glamorous. <laughs> uh, we were in the wrong spot. 
We should have been hanging around the LSU players because Odell Beckham Jr. was handing out cash. <laughs> what were we doing? We are idiots. We we're right there. Free money. Well, Man. Odell's a big fan of the pod, too, as you know. No, I'm sure. I'm yes. Sure. Yes. Diligent, diligent listener, uh, you know, has refined opinions on chicken wars. Uh, yeah. Was very happy that Priestess Katiana, uh, you know, Favorite LSU in her in her projections are uh, our favorite clairvoyant psychic. I know is it like 10 a.m. the next day when I wake up and I'm reading that I was like, oh, we missed the big story. I mean, I was oh, I was frosted. Yeah, handing out money, and then he gets a uh, almost arrested for slapping a cute co- a cop in the inappropriate spot. I don't know what the heck was going on. I got to save my opinions for the Odell Beckham. Uh, Netflix special. Yeah. That'll be one day. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only caught there four was so touchdown much passes this that... year. So this was the mm, biggest news yeah. he made all year, except when Absolutely. he wore the half million dollar watch in a game. <laughs> it's quite a season for Odell. Oh, yeah. 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 Beckham did enough at that title game to demand at least like a one part docuseries, like between slapping the uh, security guard in the derriere, handing out real money, handing out fake money, handing out money with Trump on it. Um, yes. Prompting an NCAA investigation. Yeah. Got into it like like obnoxiously with the band director. Yeah. Was screwing around with Carl Malone, like in the locker. It was like he was what he was. I'm going to charitably say he was a drunk alum, but he's like all the drunk alums down there, except he had field access and locker room access. But otherwise, he was your classic drunk SEC out of control booster. (laughs) Laying down the $100 handshakes right there on the field, creating a scene in the line. It was just, I mean, it was preposterous. It was unbelievable. This is a guy that, you know, talk about a cry for attention. My God, dude. Well, you are familiar with his work. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I know he's not. I I think he's so aggrieved from having to play in that Les Miles offense that like basically didn't pass to him the entire time in college that he's just <laughs> acting out now. If I could play amateur psychologist on Odell Beckham, that would be my uh, that would be my summation. They that had him be. and Jarvis Landry, and they didn't throw the ball very much. Yeah, yeah. If they could have been. They would have been. They, they went fifteen and zero and pretty much ran everybody off the field. If they had had those two as their receivers, good lord. Oh. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, they would have been. Uh, if you go 16 and 0 playing 15 games, they would have done it. <laughs> would have averaged 60. So, all right, uh, you're. Uh, my, I have two two thoughts on this. One, I mean, it's pretty funny. I mean, what whatever he's handing out, handing out some money. But, and and I don't want to get into like is Odell Beckham an attention craving? Yes. Uh, okay, we know that. <laughs> all right, he is what he is. He did kind of put the players in bad spots. Like, you, think? you know, like you could could wait There's a little bit of decorum. The hundred dollar handshake is not a new phenomenon. OK, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I, I kind of fault him for that. It was all about him. And it, but it, it, it's fine if you want to make it all about you. But don't drag some of these guys in on it where it's like because there's a little bit of like you got to remember they're, they're college kids. And this is the big famous someone's like, oh, yeah, take the money. You're like, I don't want to be. Ru- I mean. You know, it's just a, and then how how about this part? LSU initially goes, oh, it's fake money. Remember that? That was the worst. <laughs> Even that Auburn worked. administrators laughed at that lie. Yeah, <laughs> that was so LSU. I mean, it was like unbelievable. And they couldn't wait to get that lie out there. Like they were texting their their flax were texting people first thing in the morning before they even knew what the story was. That was fake money. Monopoly what? money. What do you mean? I'm yeah. like looking at the video. I'm like, oh, man, no, he's got a. Not. 
Odell might be careful on counterfeiting charges here because that thing looks pretty damn good. Yeah, that was that was LSU's worst lie since they tried to spin what the strong ass offer was. Yeah, uh, for well, Will Wade. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's very on brand. If you if Will Wade is still your coach, then you're sure you're going to jump in and say, "Oh yeah, it's fake money." Without Maybe even that was, without any investigation their, whatsoever. It's their huh, Will Wade. That Joe Burrow blew it all up on uh, on Barstool on the the deal when he said, "Yeah, it was real money," and yeah, I took it. Yeah, I'm out of here. I don't work here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Damn right, I'm gonna take it. I'm not a moment and raise a fool. Yeah, <laughs> I got an LSU education. Take the money. Be stupid. All right, now here's the other part. Now we don't know exactly how this this system is going to work. If they eventually are allowed, uh, you're allowed to sponsor, or players are allowed to take endorsement money or control their name, image, and likeness. But like, could this be the future? Because I've I've written and and brought up like. There was the kid, uh, who was it that dunked from Stephen F. Austin that dunked and won the game at, uh, yeah, at Duke? The runaway layup. And yeah, yeah, yeah and I forget his name. And he had a GoFundMe going to, to rebuild his house in the Bahamas after the hurricane. Yep. And it all of a sudden surged with money because people were just happy that someone beat Duke, right? So, you know, I'm always like, do all the players have GoFundMes? And when they play well, like, people donate is that <laughs> is this going to be like is this the future where it's just like hey here's some money i love you guys and, the, and that that booster no longer has to hide out at the hotel and 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 secretly do the handshake just they can just like the confetti that rolls down from the superdome can just be cash <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like is this are we gonna look back and be like remember how quaint that was hey okay. <laughs> i mean who knows? I mean, that you know, we may start finding that out this week, believe it or not, at the NCAA convention in Anaheim, where they are going to have a lot of discussion about name, image, and likeness and compensation for student athletes. And, you know, I my my feeling and my expectations, the NCAA, you know, they're they are going to continue to nudge this can down the road while looking like they're serious about it as long as they can, they're going to play this thing out and uh, you know, we'll see where it eventually goes, but Congress is involved now. So they can't just sit there and do nothing. Uh, there's a push from multiple different state legislation, legislators. There's a critical mass where the NCAA has to do something. We'll see how much they're willing to do now, but I think we're basically on about a 12 month clock before we get anywhere with this stuff. I think it's a really interesting time right now for the NCAA, which is not something one would normally say because there's really nothing usually interesting about the NCAA. But like their time, their ability to just be inert has ended. They need to do something soon. The enforcement division does on the six major cases they have now open in the college basketball scandal. They need to do something soon on name, image, and likeness. They have always just sat in the fetal position and waited until they're forced to react. It has never been a forward-thinking organization. It's never been an organization that has, like, looked ahead and viewed trends. Like, if they, if, like, a major corporation, a Fortune 500 company, operated the way they did, they would have been passed over 10 times by now. Because they've had no vision, they've had no thought, they've had no foresight, they've had no leadership they've just sat around with the status quo raked in their billion dollar tv contract and just hoped their problems would go away and then when the problems got too big they would moderately legislate them so they can just keep doing what they were doing before now i just feel like between the basketball issues which are significant involve some of the biggest brands in the sport and the name image and likeness thing which has a chance to really 
wholesale change the way the sport operates from a recruiting paradigm and everything. This is really like time where the NCAA needs to show some leadership and needs to show some vision, show some foresight. I just don't think they're equipped to do that because we've never seen it from them. Yeah, I think, you know, I've said this before, but they created this problem by not by fighting everything. It's one of the things, you know, there's all these uh, testimonies to like Jim Delaney retiring after all these years of the Big Ten and what a leader he was. All he did was make the school's money. He did. He he just left a, a train wreck barreling off the cliff because they fought. And I know he isn't the NCAA. He's not, but he's the most powerful guy in the NCAA. They could have done so many different things. And all those types, I'm not putting it all on him, but all those types of guys just sat there and kicked the can, kicked the can. They fought everything. They fought stipends. They fought a two. Remember, does a stipend is going to ruin everything? Oh, they yeah, fought, it's going to be disaster. They added yeah. staff, and yes, yeah, some of the staff is good for for you know. I've had ads say, you know, look, we added psychologists and we've added nutritionists and things. That's great, but you know, they're build. Let's build a five million dollar softball stadium instead of like fully funding all the softball players on scholarship. You know, the facilities are outraged. Everything was about take, 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 make, 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 and nobody was ever really fighting for the players and yeah. and so eventually it's just like you lost all credibility on everything then i think like we had these major cases like the the miami football scandal where they just couldn't pull it together and they lost all credibility on their their model of 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 compliance and you know you just had these they just they just lost all credibility on everything to the point where it's like there's no turning back now like, I think the idea of the federal government or any st- state or federal legislature saying this is how we're going to run college sports going forward is a disaster. It's a disaster if the government runs anyone's business. I don't care if you're running a bagel shop down the, st- the street. But when you do that and now you're there and they're going, oh, man, this is terrible. Yeah, it was terrible because 15 years ago you did nothing. You didn't you didn't give a little bit. Give a little bit, give a little bit, give a little bit. Then at least people are like, hey, at least they're trying. Instead, it's it's not really there. Go ahead, Pete. They wouldn't even let the athletes be fed until Shabazz Napier shamed them to it. Of <laughs> all the idiotic NCA things in my two decades covering college sports, the single worst thing possible was they have these kids on these crazy schedules. They have to full-time classes and then full-time athletics, and they weren't legally allowed to feed them. After Give like a certain food. hour, right? There, right. Wasn't there, it? Yeah, after well, like, an you hour? could have yeah. a bagel, but no yeah. cream cheese. You could only have a snack. You couldn't have whatever. <laughs> they overlap. So it's like, no, they should have an endless buffet of like prime rib. Like, no, this should not. That was the easiest thing possible. But it's like, well, if UConn can afford it, may not be able to afford it. Who cares? Yeah. If you can afford if they are making millions of dollars for university, at the bare minimum, you should have fed them. But like that to me encapsulates why there's no progress because they only move forward with being able to feed the athletes when Shabazz Napier shamed them on the highest level. And gun, well, everything's let's, at let's gunpoint. Shabazz Napier was also full of it. Um, but aside from the, his point was correct. I'm not sure correct. he was the, the ideal messenger. The same as uh, Chris Weber saying he couldn't afford a burger when he was on the take from Ed Martin. But point being made, yeah, they they. they Blew some very easy and humane steps in terms of progress uh, and treatment. And, it, and then eventually, you know, as the money kept going up, 
the perception became reality that that the NCAA is completely corrupt. And to Dan's point, they lost all credibility. So now they can't win any arguments, basically. I mean, it, 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 so this is their basically, I would say, their last chance, really from two prongs. Pete's point, too, is that, A, from an enforcement standpoint, this is probably their last chance to make anybody believe they can enforce. And B, from a player or student-athlete welfare standpoint, they've got to come up with something here from an name like the standpoint, or it's going to happen for them. Because they're they're losing this one, yeah, and that, and that's it is it's years and years of, and they clung to that level playing field when everyone's looking at it, going, "There's no level playing field." I don't care that Colby <laughs> College doesn't have a training table, Alabama yeah. should, you know, and yeah, it's it is it was soft. all the suspensions for nothings, the you know the kids that you know I don't want to transfer, but uh, it, yeah, it it just became they lost it, and the, these guys did nothing, and, they, and there was no leadership for so long. And now they are at the they are at the precipice. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't like. I mean, look, I'm in favor of of more scholarships and freedom, and and the, you know, I'm a free market guy. Let the let I, and I actually think that the sports will become more more of a level playing field when you can pay the kids. I've I've argued it on this thing. Like you know, right now all the kids go to six schools. Well, when Boise State can offer a a no. quarterback. You know what? What if 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 in the in the private sector, if you're looking for a job, if er, all the employees would go to the, the six biggest companies in whatever industry you were in, because oh, they're the biggest, they have the best uh, uh, cafeteria room, they have the nicest office. But now you go, well, I'm going to go with this startup because they're going to pay me more. Yeah. That's that the right. number one re- what what's the number one reason you take a job? Money. And so I think it actually will work. But they fought that concept. I mean, you you argue that concept to an to some of these athletic directors, and they, I mean, it's like. I don't know what it's like saying oh, the football stuff that's not inflated. I swear, you know, it's like they, they get angry at it. It's so it's group think they've just lost it. So I'm I am do not want to see college athletics just massive altering to the point where a game is over and, and Odell Beckham Jr. is just running around throwing money out at everybody. I, I don't have a I, I'm fine with the guys getting paid, but this doesn't seem like a very <laughs> ideal way of like, you know, we got to manage something. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. It's, just, no. yeah, it's just not the best way. Okay. It's just not the <laughs> Should best be way. taxed. Is that what you're saying? Like, I don't no. know. I don't know what it needs to do, but like, that's not it. Okay. <laughs> now I, we can, Drunk we alum can, running the field, handing out cash. Probably not. The, what, uh, it's just, it's just a simpler way of operating a sport. Okay. Like, yeah. you know, it's like the NFL, they get paid a lot, but they get paid game checks to make sure they're there right. for the game. I don't know. You got to have a system. And so there's no, the system could be a disaster. And then this is where we're at. So I don't know. I think go to this thing with Odell. We may look back and laugh and be like, remember that? That was like a big scandal. That wasn't really, wasn't really a big scandal, but. It was Shabazz certainly. Napier 2014, Obel, Odell Beckham 2020. Maybe this is the genesis of, yeah. Right. But then it, it's, it's a little bit of like, where you laugh and go, this is some someone's out. Oh, this is terrible. Well, we all know this handshake's been going on forever and Absolutely. you weren't able to stop it. So what are we talking about? I don't want to hear about it. You know, like nobody cares. This is just new wave $100 handshake. All right. Let's, let's talk about the guys that, and this is a good sign for college athletics. As much as people complain about it, a lot of really good football players decide to come back and play another year, including running backs, which is the one position, uh, you know, go get yours. But Najee Harris is back at Bama, Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State, big for those programs. And then I think the biggest one is uh, Travis Etienne back at Clemson. I did not see that one coming. 
So great for college football. Probably not the decision I would have advised them to make, but uh, it's their life. I kind of feel like with running backs, it's, you got only so many miles on the tire, but hey, ha- go go get it. So a couple of things, uh, and there's a, a, plenty of other players back. Who who got the who had the biggest impact coming back, and how stacked is Clemson? My God, I mean, ETN. You thought they were number one preseason pretty much, and you thought he was gone, and he ain't gone. So, Pete, what do you think? Yeah, so I so I'm headed to to Mobile this week for the uh, for the Senior Bowl. So I talked to some scouts yesterday, just going over different guys. And I'm not really writing about the tailbacks, but that was a conversation point with a couple guys that I spoke with. Just because, quite frankly, like it was just like, whoa, did you hear that? You know, it's like, whoa, did you see Dan Wetzel on Netflix? You know, it's one of those things. And so the thing with uh, ATN, which is interesting, is he was probably a second round pick this year, and if he had run like. 4-4 four, four or whatever, he probably could have like snuck into the end of the first round. What this scout thought was like, I, I don't know what you're, it, it is a good year for tailbacks, but he was like, I don't know what Travis thinks his ceiling is, you know, in order to like really, really push up. Like I, he doesn't have the, again, I think he's great. I think he's an NFL all pro. All right. But um, th- this guy was saying he didn't think he has the physical capabilities to do what you need to do now to get drafted that high as a tailback. So quite frankly, Tailbacks don't really get drafted that high anymore. Now, that is that trend went from like dry to like a, there's been a few more in the past couple of years. Fournette and a few other guys, Barkley, obviously, you know, have made picking tailbacks higher a little more in vogue. But he's not in the same skill set skill set category as a top 10 pick type tailback. So, I mean, look, like you can't not pick Clemson number one next year, in, in my opinion, just with with what they have back. Their defense was very young. They do lose a couple pieces uh, in Simmons and obviously AJ Terrell, but like I, I think uh, you can uh, you can put them on the cover of your big city magazine, Pat, uh, it, for the preview next year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I I had them there and I was pretty comfortable with them there before ETN made his decision. Which uh, to, to Dan's point, yeah, that and it did surprise me when he was coming back. But yeah, I think they are prohibitive favorite at this point. They not only have all these guys come back, they are bringing in the number one recruiting class in the country. And the crazy thing is two of the best players in that class are going to be sitting for sure. I mean, they may play a little bit, but the quarterback, DJ, give me his last name, Pete. You got you got a pronunciation on that? Uh, Ungialele. All right. There we go. From California. And then they got a, they brought in a five-star running back who's considered one of the best. He, you know, he's going to be sitting behind ETN. But the rich are getting richer. They are head and shoulders number one. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything when you actually start playing. But I would sure give them a huge leg up right now. And to the the point of the you know this many running backs coming back, it does surprise me. And I, I'm not sure I would be as concerned about being a second round pick as I would being concerned about just the general tread life. You know, as uh, the saying has always been, you know, get your money when you can if you're a running back before you're all of a sudden obsolete. You know, you look like Raheem Mostert all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. The other guys were banged up uh, for the 49ers. I mean, Tevin Coleman gets hurt. Braid has been hurt most of the season. So, you know, it's it is a tough life as a running back to have those guys coming back. There's some good ones in the draft, obviously, uh, Dobbins and and several others. But I was uh, I was surprised that the the three guys that uh, Dan mentioned are all back, plus really a couple others, too. Uh, Do you remember a single snap that Mostert took at Purdue? No, not I do at all. not remember him at all. Like no. I, I don't watch a ton of NFL because we all work on Sundays. So like I had not really. So he busts out as this big game, and I literally Google him, and I was like, oh, Purdue. Okay, because usually, yeah. I like, mean, I, 
This is yeah, his team. This is yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. He'd been cut yeah. all over the place. And he was coming on this season, like late in the season when he got his chance, he was good. You know? And so, but, he, but I, I mean, still 230 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, what? Well, he, well, he had a great game, but here's the other thing. He had, going into these playoffs, 178 rushes in his career. Right. It's, tre- it's tread on Fresh. the tire. This Fresh. is it. He didn't play football. And, yeah. and so, you know, you only got so many... And, and it's plug and play, and that's why the NFL, yeah, there's a Derrick Henry every once in a while, and you can try to build it, but for the most part, running back, you don't win with a running back. You know, Christian McCaffrey had one of the greatest years you'll ever see out of a, out of a running back slash wide receiver, and Carolina was terrible. If you if you have a quarterback do that, uh, you know, you're not going to be terrible. So you can do it, and you can win with running, but it's not – but you can find a lot of guys you can plug in there. And uh, uh, most are adversaries. I mean, it was unbelievable. For, for first guy in playoff history to have four TDs and over 200 yards. And yeah. Nobody can remember him at Purdue or anywhere else. So good for him because I yeah, love a guy that's that, a great that story. Plugging. Yeah. But yeah. I, but I was he, talking to a, a friend in the NFL towards the end of the season, and they were joking like, what, what the casual NFL fan probably fails to realize is there are like, four or five guys on every roster that's heading into the playoffs that really aren't that great football players. They're just there because, like, two dudes tore their ACL and they needed to find a defensive back and they pull some guy from Gold's Gym. Like, you see it every year. Like, the long snapper gets pulled out of the bayou somewhere and, and everything like that. And I'm not putting him in that category, but, like, he's also, like, that That guy was, you know, a, 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 few, a few, you know, bad breaks away from trying to use his engineering degree, right, or whatever he might have studied at Purdue. It, and it's just that the line is the line is so thin, but uh, it's it's amazing. Some of the guys who are like all of a sudden starting in NFL games in week 14, 15, 16, because they just aren't they just, they're, you know, it's just they're there and they're cheap. And there's yeah, only yeah. so much money, you know, they're yeah. talking about, hey, uh, they're going to pay Mahomes 40 million dollars. OK, well, yeah. the Kansas City's going to have a lot of guys. There's 45 active players on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the right number is, but. 20, 15, 20 are completely interchangeable yeah. with the other team. They're just guys. One of the reasons that certain teams do really well, you have to have a quarterback, and then certain coaches, I just think, Pete Carroll, obviously Belichick, some of these guys are better than others at getting roster spots 25 to 45 to play really good. And you, you, listen, you listen to Belichick, do your job. I don't need you being this, your job is to do this. That's it. We'll let Brady handle that. We'll let Gronk handle that. We got to have our guys. But yeah, you, you can't just B-gap. load up. Yeah, yeah you're, you're. that's it. And he, he would try to have one all-pro, one really good player at each position group. And it's like, we're going to rely We're gonna rely on him, but you do this because you just can't can't have the depth. So, yeah, some of these guys. I did a story once. I, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but he he was on the – he got it was the last cut of the Detroit Lions the year they went 0-16 and he got cut and then the next day got picked up by the Pittsburgh Steelers and they won the Super Bowl. It's like, <laughs> wow. What do you know, right? I mean, Here's I your winning at, lottery tickets, sir. I found yeah. him at Super Bowl media day. He's like, yeah, <laughs> crazy, isn't it? You know, like, <laughs> would have had the worst year ever. <laughs> and there I am. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's just guys. And that's that's how the NFL works. So it's like, it's it's one of the great things I think about about the sport. It's not it's not you're not reputation doesn't mean a whole lot in that league. It's because you see these NBA teams and it's like 
I love the NBA, but this is guys just like living off of contracts and you're just like, good God, you know, they don't trade for expiring contracts in the NFL, right? You don't have to, <laughs> you know, the, right? that isn't it. We got a good, good trade asset. This guy stinks so bad that his contract <laughs> will be, you know, like that's, you know, so I, it's one of the things you love about it, but yeah, you got to get those other guys to play. And that's, you know, I think the big thing there is he just hadn't run anything. So. All right. Well, I think uh, Clemson is your favorite. I, I will say they are at Notre Dame next year. They get South Carolina home. They got FSU. I mean, it's really that Notre Dame game to me is the one that could keep them from going, you know, 13 and 0. It's in That's November, it. isn't it? Dan? I think it's early. It's isn't September. It? No, it's yeah. not early because because when I was doing stuff on their winning streak and where it could go, um, I was I was remember reading that it was going to be late in the season. It actually is. Uh, the Notre Dame Wisconsin game at Lambeau is early. That's correct. That's early. the other kind of cool Notre Dame game. But yeah, I want to so. say Clemson opens with BC. I read that yeah. locally here. The uh, Clemson oh, at Notre Dame is November 7th. So there could okay. be some, well, some South Bend weather there. Get, get a little snow and maybe something happens. I don't know. But yeah, you're, I mean, this team is stacked. This is stacked. They're starting to grow the grass now for that game. <laughs> yeah, it'll slow it down. It'll turn yeah. it into mud. Don't don't the, drag up all this. Yeah, the the Justin Ross quagmire they're working on. Yeah. All right. Last thing: new Washington State coach Nick Rolovich trying to keep the crazy going in uh, on the Palouse. He sends out a tweet uh, the other night. This is his tweet. I love this. Any hashtag Go Coog fans out in Seattle tonight? Send the address trying to sharpen the claws with some of you guys tonight. Did the head coach of a power five team just basically like anyone at a bar? I'm thirsty. I love Looking this for guy. drinking buddies. Yeah. <laughs> then he tweeted a picture of some bar that he went to. Right. I mean, yeah, well, I got to follow up on it now. Like there's just a bunch of Coog fans around a table and Rolo <laughs> and his little Indiana Jones hat is uh, holding uh, is holding court. Uh, he's uh, do, if you recall this year, I, I believe we spoke about on the pod. Didn't he go see the fake Brian Harson Twitter account guy in Boise after they lost <laughs> to Boise at 1 a.m. and drink hot cocoa with him? Did he really? Yeah. Hot cocoa. That, are we sure hot it was hot cocoa? cocoa? The, uh, yes, yes. And the athletic okay. uh, wrote it, and he said, I really enjoyed <clears throat> meeting fake Brian Harson, whatever his own name is. He didn't skip on the uh, powder. It's <laughs> the key to any cocoa. you got to get as much powder as possible. So, yeah, give Nick Rolovich credit. He's a uh, he's a man of the people. I, I did a search on his name today, and it was funny, like, the things on Twitter. It was like, my husband jumped out of bed and, like, ran out to the bar to go meet Nick Rolovich <laughs> oh, last night. You know, imagine. like, just, you know, Coug fans all uh Well, I think, like, Washington State's one of those schools. It's a little like St. Bonaventure where it's a little bit isolated, and it, there's, like, a, a really, like, thick bond between the people who sort of go through the Choose experience to go there. there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah you got to want to go to Washington state. Yes. It's not just yeah. like, yeah, it's down the road. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. local. <laughs> yeah. Either have to nice. want to go there yeah. or you're there on work release. One of the two. <laughs> Pat hates, Pat hates Pullman. He hates I hate Pullman. Pullman. I'm sorry. Uh, Why do you hate Pullman, Pat? It's the worst college town in America. Wow. There's nothing there and it's forever away from anywhere else. As I was told, when I was there to cover, that was when Clay Thompson was playing for them uh, basketball and Aaron Baines, by the way, too. Uh, when I got there and I was looking for like any place to eat and I go to the front desk of the hotel, the Fairfield or whatever, I said, ah, you probably got to go to Moscow, Idaho. That's where all the good Yeah, you got to go to Idaho. Are. It's like, oh, that great. Is, 
Right. Yeah. That's one of the funnier the bits state about to that. Find the, uh, to find the good restaurant. Not just the state. It's like you got to go to Idaho. Like, <laughs> great. <laughs> Moscow, Idaho. Yeah. Not even Boise, which is a hell no. of a place. Right. Yeah. Have some pride, man. Like, yeah, you want to, you got to go to Idaho. Like, wait, what? <laughs> it's not like, you know, you're at, I don't know. That is like the fairly Dickinson. And they're like, oh, go over to Manhattan, you yeah. know, like right across the river in New York City. Go over there. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. No, go to Idaho. Oh, <laughs> Moscow. Oh, it's the the one power five campus I have never visited. So perhaps Don't rush. Rolo Don't rush. Magic will wow. bring me to the Palouse so, and I can I can critique Pat's critique. Mm, Do not rush. Well, we'll <laughs> see. Uh, it's apparently thirsty. So already yeah. moving up on the podcast favorite coaching rankings <laughs> all right that's our show this week i gotta catch a jet to hollywood uh, <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i'm real busy wheels up dan get... wheels up yeah, wheels yeah. Up. <laughs> either that or i gotta go, go scrape some ice Damn. <laughs> i'm going to mobile you'll be, with you'll the, be with moving he'll boat, be moving so. to yeah we're all on we're all on jets going somewhere some of us are on commercial some of us are private but yeah yeah you'll, you'll be, yeah Moving to a small island someone, somewhere. Someone wants to send me a private jet. I will get on it. I just have not <laughs> figured out how to turn this into anything uh, reasonable other than getting bagged on by all my friends. Thanks. Hey, what we're here for. Hey, Danny boy, what kind of gel do you use there? Yeah, it looks yeah, yeah. Hey. hey, you know you're in this documentary. <laughs> What's up, kid? <laughs> Uh, throat you from fifth grade oh yeah yeah see any man <laughs> we'll be back we're thinking of doing our uh end of the year cheese grater awards we were gonna do yeah. it this week but we got lazy and didn't set anything yeah up. we were unprepared uh, yeah. yeah that's a well, big maybe next week but i yeah. also it's super bowl week next year La- last year we did a good super bowl week we, yeah, we, we should did. really do the didn't we do the um like, you know, we talked about all the, you know, we'll talk about my homes in college and stuff like that. Yeah, right, right. right. All yeah. right. So we're not doing it next week unless Sully gets some work done here. Well, we got like an extra week. No, is next week Super Bowl week? It's not. We got we got two yeah, weeks till preview the Super Bowl. Of, so. Preview of Super Bowl week. We tape next Tuesday. So this is our pre-Super Bowl week. Next week. Oh, Super yeah, Bowl right. Week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll work on Here's my calendar. During this the- well-oiled <laughs> machine of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> calendars are available on Netflix, Pat, if you want to join the revolution. They're also available like printed ones you can hold in your hand. You can get them. Yeah, sure. He still has a, one on his desk. I remember I, do. I remember seeing a picture of that. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Anyway, this podcast is getting boring. Talk to you guys <laughs> later.